0: Live from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in sunny Southern California. Thank you all for tuning in to the Water Zone Show. Good afternoon. I'm Mike Barron. I'm standing in for the famous Rob Starr, who is out on special duty tonight, uh, having to travel from California to Texas for the company he works for which is the toro company so rob if you're listening uh we miss you but get that job done and um it's just great to uh, be back here focusing on water issues and getting opportunities to uh hear from our listeners now just a reminder july the month of july is smart irrigation month it's sponsored by the irrigation association And the Water Zone is conducting a contest for a soon to be selected elementary school who will win, or which will win, an outdoor living and educational garden from the Toro Company. Toro will create and install a native and edible garden, and the children at the elementary school will have the opportunity to watch vegetables grow, maintain those vegetables, prepare and eat those healthy vegetables. Torah will also provide educational materials about soil science, irrigation, and solar technologies and information that will help increase the nutritional knowledge that these elementary school students are exposed to, as well as giving them a better understanding of the value of living plant material. I remember uh, being in front of some elementary school students, uh, and they started to explain photosynthesis and how the light of the sun combined with the soil the nutrients in the soil and the water that is delivered by drip irrigation very efficiently combined to grow from seed amazing vegetables that they that just they taste great so if you as a listener want to nominate an elementary school that you are familiar with in this regional area of Riverside County, San Bernardino County, or Orange County, if you think that elementary school would benefit from this free installed educational garden done by Toro simply send an email with your nomination and short paragraph as to why they deserve to get this garden installed send it to toro irrigation marketing at toro.com that's toro irrigation marketing at toro.com and you will have a chance to win for the elementary school of your choice that garden the contest ends on monday this coming monday july 31st and we will announce a winner on the thursday broadcast of the water zone on august 3rd so we are looking forward to providing a winning elementary school with that growing asset. So, um, today is our agricultural irrigation show. Um, we have our, as normally our guests, are, um, our hosts, I should say are Inge Biskoner and uh, Paul McFadden, both employees of Toro Irrigation in the Agricultural Division. Um, And our guest, our first guest this evening, is Dave Puglia. He's Executive Vice President of Western Growers Association. So first, let me ask, is Paul on the line? Thank you. All right, Paul, I'll turn it over to you then.
1: Excellent. Thank you for the uh, introduction. You bet. As, uh, as Mike mentioned, we have some two interesting guests, uh, uh, very uh, knowledgeable and, and uh, longtime industry folks. Uh, Dave Puglia, uh, as Mike mentioned, the Executive Vice President of Western Growers. And then we have uh, Steve Patricio uh, later on in the show, the President and Chief uh, Operating Officer of Westside Produce. The grower of some of the finest cantaloupe and honeydew melons in the country. So, uh, uh, Dave, uh, if you're there, uh, welcome, and uh, uh, let me uh, jump in. Dave,
0: we did have we did have Dave. Oh, I'm here. Oh, yeah. hey, oh, Dave. There we are. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I know you've had a busy day, Dave, and I appreciate you joining us uh, for this uh, the Water Zone and. Uh, 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 just uh, we'll we'll make it quick so you can get home to Orange County to your uh, to your wife and kids and and sign <laughs> no up problem. for uh, sign up for the new uh, that that contest for your kid's school uh, perhaps a uh, a new uh, Toro uh, educational garden i love it so uh, let me uh, let me uh, read uh, your bio to the group as a way of introducing you uh Dave uh, joined uh, Western Growers in uh, 2005, uh, leading the Association's State Government Affairs team and media communications staff on behalf of the Association's 2,500 members in California, Arizona, and Colorado. He was promoted to Executive Vice President in July of uh, 2015 in recognition of expanded responsibilities for Western Growers' operations and his extensive work on water policy issues affecting Western agriculture. Prior to joining Western Growers, Dave was vice president of APCO Worldwide, or a global public affairs consulting firm. He previously served for seven years in the California Attorney General's Office, first as press secretary and later as director of public affairs and communications. In addition to serving as chief spokesman for the state Department of Justice, fully directed the agency's public policy research and was senior advisor to the Attorney General at that time, Dan Lundgren. A Sacramento native, uh, you earned your degree from uh, Cal State University Sacramento in uh, government and journalism. You and your wife, Lisa, or Leslie, excuse me, uh, live in Orange County with your twin sons. So, having said all that, welcome to the Water Zone.
2: Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it.
1: Um, tell, if you would be so kind, Dave, tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in agriculture uh, coming from more of a government relations and, and journalism uh, background uh, uh, ending up in the ag industry and, and with such a focus on water.
2: Yeah, you heard in my bio, there's there's not a lot of ag in that bio. I was born and raised in Sacramento in the city and um, went into politics pretty early in life. I was still in college, actually, when I had an opportunity to work on some political campaigns and ended up uh, with a a pretty interesting spot on the first George uh, Bush campaign in 1988 in California. The last time a Republican won California, by the way, uh, in a presidential race. And that led to a number of other opportunities in politics and government, uh, which ultimately brought me to the state attorney general's office with Dan Lundgren when he won in 1990 and um, stayed with him there for a number of years. Uh, and after he uh, lost the campaign for governor, I went out into the consulting business. And I represented as a public affairs consultant and a lobbyist, represented a lot of different industry sectors, um, a lot of different corporations, never anything in the food or ag sector, uh, mostly financial services, the defense industry, uh, chemical industry, but um, yet never really had any experience with agriculture. And so it really happened by by sort of an odd um, series of events, I was approached by two, in 2005 by one of my original mentors um, when I went into politics, a man named Ken Kachigan, who had uh, been a speechwriter for Presidents Nixon and Reagan. Um, and he had kind of held my hand when I grew up in politics and somebody who uh, was a real, a real coach to me. Ken uh, had been and still is a consultant to Western Growers and approached me about an opportunity to head up the lobbying team for the association. And um, not knowing a thing about agriculture, I thought they were talking to the wrong guy. But uh, they uh, made a decision to go with somebody who knew Sacramento and knew how that place works. Uh, and as they put it, we'll teach you the ag stuff, but you need to help us get through that mess in Sacramento. So that's, uh, that's how it happened. And that's been 12 years since I took the leap. And uh, I'm still learning about the ag industry. I'm sure I always will be learning about the ag industry. But it's been a wonderful experience. The water policy portfolio is actually traceable to your next guest. You're going to have Steve Patricio on. Steve and I were on a plane flight from Phoenix back up to, I think, Sacramento years ago uh, when I had just come on board. Uh, We'd been down there doing some lobbying in the Arizona Capitol, and Steve started giving me water 101 lessons right there on that flight, Um, and and it was truly drinking from a fire hose. And he's he's still... (laughs) He still is my my water policy coach, along with many other people. But I I didn't think I would work in water policy when I came to Western Growers. It's something I'd actually tried to avoid as a lobbyist prior, uh, but um, I have found that I love it. It's of course challenging, as you know. We've had some very difficult times in California uh, from both legislative and regulatory standpoints, uh, but it's been it's been a great experience to to pardon the pun, dive in and. And learn everything I can and then hopefully affect outcomes you know we're we we are pretty aggressive in pushing our agenda both in Congress and in uh, the state legislature and with the regulatory agencies to get more water to our our growers and It's been very very difficult for reasons you you know well, sure, well, I would
1: have to agree with Ken I think uh you're you're definitely the right uh person for the job so uh thank you for that um for those of our listeners who are less familiar with western growers perhaps you could give us a kind of a, uh, a brief uh, introduction to Western Growers, uh, who that organization is and uh, what, uh, who are the members of the group and what they actually do.
2: Sure. Western Growers is a trade association um, at, at its heart. We represent produce farmers and shippers and handlers through four states in California, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico recently came into our membership. And like any trade association, our mission is to uh, advance the the agenda of our members, to help them uh, be profitable, to help them stay competitive, to help them with business services and educational um, opportunities that that all go to their bottom line. We have about 2,500 members in those four states. Many of those members are uh, sizable produce companies that have operations, farming operations, processing operations throughout the United States. When we last checked, I think our members have a footprint in 23, 24 states and about 30 nations, 30 countries around the world. So they're pretty sophisticated companies. They're able to um, source their products, whether it's carrots or broccoli or romaine, uh, from a number of different places. Uh, they, they produce, as I said, um, fresh produce commodities, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, tree nuts. About half the nation's produce comes from our members. Um, most of the nation's organic produce comes from our members. They're both conventional and organic farmers, and um, as I said, they're mostly centered here in the West.
1: I think another thing our listeners would be interested to know is that that one of the one of the the uh, things that Western Growers is very very focused on is food safety. Uh, would you agree?
2: Absolutely, and it, it's really something that we've always been focused on um for obvious reasons i think people know fresh produce commodities uh, are grown outdoors they're exposed to the elements to animals to birds to all kinds of things and unlike many foods they are unprocessed the whole point of fresh produce is to enjoy something out of the field that hasn't been cooked or processed and because of that there's more vulnerability to the transfer of pathogens from a fresh produce item to, to the ultimate consumer. And so we have to always be on guard and always be looking at ways to drive down the risk that is associated with anything that is, is consumed raw, which most pre- fresh produce commodities are. And I think the real um, moment of, of crisis came in 2006. I was only here for a year and a half or so at the time when there was an outbreak in the fresh spinach sector associated with an E. coli bug that was devastating people probably remember that and that really shook the industry to its core we had already done so much to reduce risk to apply best practices throughout the industry but that revealed that we needed to do much more and one of the outcomes of that uh, was the creation of a food safety regime for leafy greens that is a private partner uh private public partnership between state of california and the industry known as the leafy greens marketing agreement and it's a host of metrics and measures that members of the marketing agreement must adhere to to be able to be certified uh, and we have about ninety nine percent of the volume of, of leafy greens in both california and arizona committed to that agreement and following those standards which are very tough they're based on science they're developed in a transparent way with partners in the university system and food safety experts uh, in government and industry and so it's one of the things that that demonstrates um, our willingness to jump in front of a crisis and go to a real solution that actually improves the the circumstances around, in this case, food safety, so that we don't have those kind of recurring foodborne illness outbreaks.
0: Uh, Dave, can I uh, interject uh, just with a quick question? Uh, You mentioned on the food safety issue, especially with the Leafy Greens uh, certification, Is that a state regulatory certification that is provided, or is it by this uh, um, private-public partnership?
2: That's a good question. That is a state certification. The California Leafy Greens Marketing Agreement is um, governed by the California Department of Food and Agriculture. And so the certification is attached to CDFA. Uh, but the, the governance structure and the system that is set up to audit growers, to check their irrigation water for pathogens, to check soils, to check that they're um, not allowing animal intrusion, that is all done in collaboration with both industry and government food safety professionals, and as I also said, the university's experts, especially places like UC Davis. And so it's a, it's the way to bring the best minds together to develop in a transparent way the standards that should be adhered to, must be adhered to, if the state of California, through the Leafy Greens Marketing Agreement, will deliver that seal to the product.
0: And, and just my last uh, follow-up, uh, approximately how much time elapsed uh, from this um, recognizing that, hey, this was something that was serious, uh, the E. coli breakout with the spinach and this new approach, the marketing agreement then was developed. Is that a six-month process, a two-year process?
2: Well, it's going back to two thousand six two thousand seven um but i so I don't have my calendar running oh. <laughs> but it was pretty fast. it was pretty fast wow. we 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 came up with the idea um here at Western Growers and immediately started convening member meetings around California and Arizona, and telling them we had to do something meaningful and transparent and do it fast because the legislature was waiting in the wings to impose legislation that would have been completely unworkable on food safety and so i as I recall, we had it up and running and standards uh, being developed uh, well under one year. I think it was six, seven months we, we had the marketing agreement uh, formalized.
0: Well, just as a, as a consumer, I'm very impressed with that kind of cooperation between the state and the private sector and the recognition so quickly and then the cooperation. So obviously excellent leadership at uh, Western Growers. And, Paul, I'll t- turn it back to you.
1: Thanks, Mike. Yeah, uh, Dave and his uh, colleague, Hank uh, Gicklis, who has been on a previous uh, Water Zone show, uh, were truly industry leaders, along with Tom Nassif, uh, uh, the head of Western Growers, all uh, did uh, a lot of very difficult and long, uh, long, long hours worth of work to get that done. Um, So, Dave, obviously, Western Growers covers a pretty broad geography water availability and quality are very different just in california uh how does that water footprint over the western growers uh uh, states in colorado new mexico arizona uh, and california how does that really uh, uh equate into the different uh ways that your members grow uh safe food
2: well it's a huge factor i think you know you you can oversimplify this a little bit, but it's not too far off the mark to say that if you don't have an adequate supply of labor and an adequate supply of water, you're not in business. These are companies that have um, adapted to changing conditions throughout the West. The changes we see and the unreliability, particularly we see in in water supply, especially in California, has, um, I think, pretty clearly pointed some of these produce uh, farmers to other states and uh, even other countries. We've seen an expansion of production of fresh produce by American growers, by mostly California growers in Mexico. And it's been driven by the lack of a stable, legal, available workforce here, but it's been exacerbated by uh, the experiences of the drought and the lack of water that could have been provided even during the drought, but for the environmental regulations that we've allowed uh, to, to send water out to sea when it's been made available in the delta. So, um, I think, you know, as with any business, I, I think there's there's a misperception that people have, that consumers have, that farmers can't move because they're tied to the land. Certainly, they are tied to the land. The land is their greatest asset. But um, in California and in the Western produce industry, these these larger companies that have been successful, they're family owned and operated. They're third, fourth, fifth generation. They desperately want to stay in California. But they've been successful uh, for a lot of reasons, and that gives them both the sophistication and the capability to source their products from other places, from Arizona, from Texas, from Florida, from Mexico and South America, because they have a business need to supply their buyers, which are the big grocery chains, the big restaurant chains. Those are their buyers. Those are their, their customers. They have an obligation to fulfill contracts to deliver X quantity of name your commodity, let's say iceberg lettuce, to the following distribution centers around the country on the following schedule, and we want this kind of quantity and we want this kind of yield, and we're going to pay that price. To these growers and shippers who have these contracts and have an obligation to meet them and a business need to meet them, they've got to be creative in finding ways to source those products, even with everything California throws at them. And so, the, the water supply unreliability that has descended on California has caused, unfortunately, I think, um, a flight of production to other places. I think that can be reversed because everybody wants to grow in California. We have a Mediterranean climate. We have great soils. We have the infrastructure. All you need is you know, just that water and you've got the best uh, produce production region in the entire world. And so, If we can solve that problem and come back to a reliable water supply and then tackle our labor supply problem, uh, which is an immigration reform discussion, then we would see the California produce industry uh, really take off once again. It's still a healthy, thriving industry, and I think it will be for some time and hopefully forever, but I, I, I do know that there has been some decline in production tied to water unreliability.
1: Well, and that's got to affect the price that uh, uh, our listeners pay at the grocery store for their fresh produce and nuts and melons and and all those things that are grown in California.
2: I think that's true to a degree, and again, it depends on the commodity. Some of these are commodities that really can only be grown in California or currently are only grown in California, almonds, for instance. But others can be grown other places. And again, the, the, the people who ultimately hand that product to you big grocery stores, for instance, um, they really are not always that picky about demanding that the product come from California. What they're demanding is quality and a price that they're willing to pay the farmer. And they'll look any place they need to look to get that product. Um, I do think that there is some brand equity associated with produce grown in California. I think many consumers look for California grown and, and gravitate towards that, Uh, But I also know that eventually the cost of production uh, will have its impact. If it continues to escalate in California so far above the cost of production in other states and other countries, you know, economics always wins. And uh, that's something we have to be attentive to. Consumers will pay more to some degree, but the real impact is that we will chase production away from California to other places.
1: Well, Well. so in the, in the minute or two, we have left any uh, closing thoughts on how we can wrap this up and solve the, the, the water and the labor and the regulatory issues.
2: <laughs> well, I'll leave, I'll leave labor and regulatory issues for another time because that, <laughs> that, that's, that takes more time to discuss. But I do think the water problem is solvable. I think that um, I know that urban Californians, this is an extremely urban state, biggest, most populous state in the country, also the biggest farm state in the country, I have seen plenty of research that has confirmed for me that Californians in urban areas have a very strong affinity for our farmers. They know that we have a lot of great farmers in the state. We produce wonderful, nutritious, healthy food. They want that to continue. Our challenge is to move that sentiment that exists in urban areas where a lot of legislators are to the legislators themselves, to apply greater pressure on the regulatory agencies to pass new legislation, to free up water when it's available in our system, and allow the water managers of California who are absolute geniuses to figure out how to move water to where it's best used. They're great at doing it. What we've done, unfortunately, as a, as a body politic is keep the water out of their hands. We've got to let water managers in the state get back to doing what they do so well for all of us.
0: Excellent. Well, I've got to say, Dave, I'm going to be lobbying uh, Paul to bring you back because I would like you to uh, let us know if there's unanimous support from your members for the Twin Tunnels. Now, I don't want you to give away any secrets. We want uh, listeners to tune in the next time you're on the Water Zone. But thank you so much for participating. Very informative. I can see why uh, Paul was singing your praises, and uh, we want to wish you the very best as you continue to represent the um, interests of the produce growers in the state of California and the other three states.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity, and I'd uh, be more than happy to join you again at some point. Thanks,
1: Dave. Appreciate your leadership and and the benefit to the the consumers of produce uh, in the state of California and uh, literally around the world.
2: Thanks, Paul. We always appreciate the partnership with Toro. It's been a wonderful partnership.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to the Water Zone for the second half of our show. We are today featuring our agricultural Water Zone show, and uh, we have... Paul McFadden on the line, about to interview our second guest. So, Paul, I'll turn it over to you.
1: Thanks, Mike. Uh, our next guest, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is uh, is uh, Steve Patricio. Uh, welcome to the Water Zone, Steve.
3: Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, we uh, Steve also is uh, busy and has carved out some. Uh, Time at the end of his day uh, up in Firebaugh, California, to, to call in and talk to us. Uh, Steve uh, entered uh, the produce industry after graduating, had a bit of a unique uh, uh, entry into the ag business, uh, as our previous guest did. Uh, entered with a, after graduating from the University of Santa Clara, with a bachelor's degree in accounting. He was a California certified uh, as a CPA in 76, and until 92 served as the chief financial officer of Tri Produce in the San Joaquin Valley. <coughs> he later became uh, Westside Produce as a handler for independent cantaloupe growers in the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, today, the firm has expanded to include growing, harvesting, cooling, and marketing. Steve, who was in the California Agricultural Leadership Program, serves on the California Melon Research Board, the California Cantaloupe Advisory Board, and the California Food Safety Committee uh, of the California uh, Cantaloupe Advisory Committee. He is currently serving as the chairman of the Center for Produce Safety and a member of the Monsanto Strategic Planning Advisory Board. And I should add that you're uh, Dave Poulias' water mentor.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Dave's too kind.
1: (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Tell us a, a little bit of background about your background and how you ended up in farming. Uh, coming from Santa Clara with a with a degree in accounting, I think our listeners would be interested to to hear that.
3: Well, uh, it, I, w- I was raised basically as a city kid. I, I grew up in a small town, but my my parents had a uh, mom and pop uh, grocery store for three generations, and the closest thing I came to farming was working in the produce department. And after I graduated uh, in Santa Clara, in the heart of the Silicon Valley, I thought I was uh, destined for a career in high technology electronics, but uh, when I was uh, approached and hired to become the CFO of a uh, very large diversified family farming operation, uh, suddenly I'm I'm in agriculture. And uh, I, I tell people the story. My wife, who was raised on a farm, uh, she and I, she took me on a ride uh, the day before my first day of work to show me what the different crops were as they grew, so I wouldn't embarrass myself when, on my first day of work. But uh, I, I grew to love the ag uh, industry. I grew to understand the uh, complexities. and But most importantly, I grew to love the people and the families that uh, commit their uh, their generational uh, expertise and knowledge and families to uh, to, to to growing uh, a healthy food supply for our nation.
1: Tell us a little bit about your company, Westside Produce, uh, how the company came into existence, and and what you do today.
3: <clears throat> well, Westside Produce, as you st- stated during my bio, is a uh, is uh, works with local growers to. Um, Help them bring melons, cantaloupes, and aegyptus to market. Uh, we are the agent of that grower, and uh, we work very closely with them as much or as little as they choose. Everything from helping them planting and making agricultural decisions and irrigation decisions, fr- uh, fertility decisions, etc., all the way to the point when the crop is ready for harvest. When we harvest them with our field crews our employees do the harvesting and packaging uh, hauling to our cooling facilities where the product is uh, properly prepared for market and we have a marketing division that uh, sells the product into the uh, into the uh, retail and food services uh, sectors so we uh, we basically handle the product from beginning to end working very closely with the uh, uh, the local uh, growers and making the, the the product available.
1: Excellent, excellent. I know you had the, your two sons uh, joined the company in, in, in 2005. Just curious how that uh, how that's changed. Uh, uh, having uh, grown up in a family business myself, working for my dad, uh, there that was the, the sometimes it was great and sometimes it was challenging. But I'm just curious uh, how that uh, how that has helped. Uh, uh, your company and obviously working together with family members has got to be very rewarding
3: it is it's one of the more rewarding things i can think of in my life i'm so proud of my two sons um, who i assumed really doubted they'd ever be involved in agriculture uh... are uh... they were both uh... graduated and undergraduate with uh... accounting and both became CPAs, certified uh, public accountants in the state of California. Uh, the older son actually went on to law school and got a got a law degree, and he was doing uh, a lot of tax work and mergers acquisition type law. And the other son was had spent seven years working in uh, uh, public accounting for a national accounting firm and tax and audit, and they 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 weren't they did not have any AG clients, that's for sure, and. Actually, when my mentor, who he and I were the, uh, originally partnered together to form Westside Produce uh, under the under the business model we created, as I mentioned, when he passed away, um, and uh, I bought out his family, and I was I was sitting here, and my boys were ready to move into something away from the public sector. Uh, get out of public arena of accounting and tax. I said, "Why don't you come try this for a while?" And they, they did, and and they, I believe, are very happy and enjoying. It's a, it's a different type of lifestyle, a different type of commitment. But uh, I'm, I'm proud of them, and I'm proud they're here with me. It sure, sure makes for a, a, a enjoyable way to live my life.
1: Sure, that's a, uh, that's outstanding. Uh, uh, just uh, hearing you talk about your sons and. Their accomplishments and their uh, academically, wow, that's uh, that's quite impressive. I'm I'm very proud of them. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> um, I know uh, we talked recently and about the drought. You know, we're on the heels of this big five-year drought, and and the governor uh, has since uh, removed the restrictions in in uh, throughout the state due to the heavy rains and snowfalls this past winter. But I'm just curious, uh, Steve, how does how does the the five year drought and then this, the the this the shift if you will or the pendulum swinging the other direction towards uh towards this uh this uh heavy water year if you will how does that how does that affect what you do and and how your growers uh, uh react
3: well paul as i mentioned earlier my mentor uh in in the ag in the ag industry my original boss and then my partner uh was a water attorney who was extremely active in forming many of the water districts that uh, we all know in the center of california from the nineteen forties fifties and sixties and so uh, virtually every day of my working career uh, was at some point we talked about water as as it was an important piece in everything he did and it, it became an important piece in everything i did and as we were s- establishing west side produce and the new the new regulatory world uh, the, the post-CVPIA, the, when the, the new federal rules came into play about agriculture in the West and coupled with the Endangered Species Act and the a whole series of um, legislative decisions that came down in the 1990s. I remember uh, we, we had a discussion at one point and, uh, Mr. Tellis made it very clear that uh, his, he, he believed we would never see a return to the, the 60s and 70s, and that the, if the success of California was going to depend on the most senior water right uh, holders, and so we focused our attention on growers within the, uh, the uh, most senior water rights areas, and not ignoring the junior water rights areas, but constantly asking our growers and working carefully with our growers that uh, how they were going to be able to react to the inevitable when uh, uh, there would be zero water allocations to the uh, central valley project to the two and a half million acres of, uh, of very productive farmland in the center of california was going to have to learn to receive zero allocations from the uh, federal government under the contracts that they held and so we, we uh, pivoted slightly and made our commitments uh so that we had to have we wanted and knew we had to have melons every year every day for the customers that, that's what they demanded in fact about that same time i was working on a i was working as on one of the committees of the state uh, government of the ag department and doing some work uh during the Schwarzenegger administration and uh i remember listening to a a conference up in San Sacramento when a, a large executive uh, important executive from Nestle stood up and, and made a very important statement that rings true in my head that whether we like to talk about it or not we all grow ingredients and those ingredients go into various foods and various uh, decisions are made by corporate America and they can't be without ingredients and water isn't a key ingredient, and these, this, like this company said, I've got to be where there's a reliable supply of water so that I have a reliable supply of ingredients. None of us grow the whole uh, food pyramid, so we're all just an ingredient, and having all those, uh, those regulatory re- uh, restrictions, uh, we, we better learn to adapt and be uh, responsive going forward.
1: That's an interesting way to put it. I never heard it uh, expressed quite that way, but I like that. I think, uh, uh, like you say, that rings uh, very true. Uh, huh. And I think uh, looking at, at uh, areas where farmers have seen your water rights, just uh, uh, from a business standpoint, you're... You're limiting your risk because uh, if you can't produce melons for your customers, then uh, then you're out of business uh, if growers can't produce them because they don't have water to grow them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, that that's a reasonable uh, decision and a way to look at it.
3: it it's, it's been a focal uh, point of our business plan for about 20 years now. Oh, I'll be darned.
0: Well, I, I know this is Mike Barron. I'm not on the ag side of things, but um, a, a host of the water zone on non-ag uh, events, but uh, the CBPIA, I believe, passed in 1992, and um, the uh, this is the Central Valley Water Project Improvement Act. I'm sure it was uh, sold to the public as uh, improving uh, water reliability, but in fact made a fundamental uh, change in the priorities the, for which the uh, Central Valley Project was are going to deliver water for, can can you take a moment or two to just explain a little bit about the impact that impact that that had on on your company?
3: Well, uh, CVPIA is is a critical turning point in all of uh, Western uh, Western U- the United States because cvpia set a priority within the central valley project but also set a recommitment on the behalf of the bureau of reclamation uh, the division of the department of the interior as to their uh, prior hundred years of dealing with uh, the west uh, the western united states the bureau of reclamation and department of interior had as their mission that they would establish and 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 uh populate the west and create agriculture and 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 rural america in the west and provide the 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 reliable water supply but equally important to pr- to uh deal with flood control uh, one of the most important principles every anyone that wants to know about agriculture and water is that first and foremost there would have been no central valley project or there would be no dams and reservoirs anywhere in in the western united states if it wasn't for flood flood was the predominant reason why projects were developed why dams were created why water was channeled it was in an attempt to uh... uh prevent losses economic and and personal from from floods uh, i mean i i i believe the uh... the uh, capital of california was moved three different times after it was flooded out of the various spots it was in and the current location of the Capitol would be flooded today if it wasn't for the uh, the projects that uh, control the flooding and mass of water that comes through the Sacramento River bottom and the Feather River and, and the American River. Uh, so flood control is a key element. Uh, CVPIA changed that association that we had with the Bureau of Reclamation and in effect created what I often refer to as an adversarial uh, Situation for 100 years, we were almost like partners, and then it suddenly became uh, where we, the farmers, had to fight for the water that we got. The contracts that we had signed and the commitments that were made between the government and the farmers to to purchase water. And that's, I guess, the most important thing is that it, none of this was given. All these this infrastructure that was developed, uh, water was paid for as it was used at rates determined by the government to both pay for the project. And uh make the help help the farmers compete competitively in a world world competitive market. And uh, absent those fees uh, and monies collected, uh, it, it, it changed the dynamics of the region. Uh, I think an important fact that I always like to to know about is that uh, CVP uh, CVP was actually developed at the same time that the uh, Washington D.C. subway system. And uh, a bit of history would tell you that the cost of the Central Valley Project and the cost of the Washington, D.C. subway were almost identical. And uh, um, more than uh, 75% of the cost of the Central Valley Project has been repaid, and the cost of operating the system has been covered by the recipients of that water, whereas the Washington DC subway has never paid for itself and there's been no payback of the money and it's a loser every year but uh we we'll always talk about the uh, subsidies that the farmers get for the water that was received but no one wants to talk about subways for uh, subways and other uh, benefits but that's a, that's another issue that's <laughs> yeah, that's the world great. we've had to learn to adapt and we do and we will and uh farmers are resilient and they'll they'll move forward
1: Speaking of resiliency, I know you've done a lot uh, uh, just uh, uh, within your own company in food su- uh, sustainability. But uh, uh, in addition to leading, helping lead the industry that direction, uh, I know on uh, for uh, Westside Produce, you've done a overhauled your food safety program. You've enhanced traceability for food safety for, for, for food safety. Um, you have new harvesting equipment uh, you've installed a new uh, 5 acre 1.2 uh, megawatt uh, solar project lots of things very uh, progressive uh, forward thinking type of uh, uh, project could you tell us about about some of these initiatives and why they're important to, uh, uh, not only to Westside produce but for our listeners
3: well the- thanks thanks for bringing those up paul it is a thing that we do as a as a matter of continuous improvement within our company and we believe that farming has always been at the cutting edge of technology uh, the development of the new irrigation techniques and 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 uh, wonderful uh, systems that your company is is has been tremendous about uh farming uh leads those uh, technological improvements and 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 we always embrace them at Westside produce we uh we embrace the food safety issues um as they've come down we 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 started within the cantaloupe industry the first of its type uh, um, uh, commodity specific guidance and mandatory requirements of uh, food safety by all growers in california uh, and and we have that in place today. Our own company is, uh, has been doing it since uh, back in early 2000. My my third child is my daughter, who when she was graduating from Cal Poly, I encouraged her to do her senior project on food safety. And this was in 2004, and she couldn't find a a, a professor or anyone that would uh, would take on her senior project. And uh, for about four months, until she finally had to find somebody in the marketing area that would. Understood. It might be an important issue, and so she did it as her senior project, and was involved in development of our first company-specific uh, uh, food safety systems. And now, uh, the older brother, the one that's the the lawyer, is the one that manages those uh, the the derivatives of those food safety systems. So it's something we've done. Uh, we we installed a as you say a, a solar uh, array uh, right. We bought five acres next to us and put in a full array that. Uh, takes care of about 90 percent of our power use uh... we uh... we have continuously uh... changed our harvesting equipment and hauling equipments always to try and uh... be as efficient as we possibly can both from and while, while at the same time uh... following all the food safety compliance uh... directives and guidance uh... whether it be FSMA or whatever we're we're fully FSMA compliant well ahead of when we need to be and uh... That that's kind of how Side Produce has always approached it. We want to be a leader. We want to be out in front because we want to be here into the future as our our families continue to participate.
1: Exactly, and and uh, from my perspective, Steve, you truly are there. So thank you for that.
3: Um, thank you.
1: The uh, what are the as a as a farmer as an industry leader both in the state and and uh, nationally even internationally, what are the things that keep you up as a, as a farmer at, uh, uh, say, the th- three top things that concern you uh, today?
3: <laughs> well, it's it's real simple. It begins with labor and the availability of that labor and moves very quickly next to it to be water, because without water and without labor, we have nothing. And I'd say the third thing that keeps me up, at night is uh, government regulatory overreach, and where the next uh, new rule or new uh, restriction or new re- requirement will come, and how how we will deal with that. So, those are the three. And in any, it's kind of I don't think I'm telling you in order. I think that they all stand as three pillars, or the, the, as we call the proverbial three-legged stool. And if one of those legs is missing, uh, that stool doesn't stand up. So, that's what keeps me awake at night.
1: Looking at water, what do do you see as some of the possible solutions for uh, a a more uh, robust uh, uh, water, uh, both not only quantity, but quality uh, uh, conveyance or storage? Uh, What do you you see as a solution in that
3: area? Uh, California needs to uh, come to grips with the fact that they've wasted the last 30 years of water development. They had, a, they had a water conveyance and storage system that was second to none, and it was, the, it was admired by the rest of the world. And we've allowed that, that system to age. Uh, we have tremendous operators. We have unbelievably brilliant water managers within public and private sector that, that truly know how to move water around efficiently, effectively, both cost effectively and and uh, to do the most benefit for the uh, environment as well as the economy. And when we've created these new regulatory hurdles, and and we get ourselves in the way of these phenomenal managers, uh, when when you push, you pull some other place. And I'm afraid that's what we continue to do as we uh, with the overreach that government continues to impose upon explaining a system that for the most part they don't understand and uh trying to uh to put uh round pegs in square holes so uh we we the, 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 and I see it more and more every day I it's been an active part of my life and what I see is people are starting to wake up to the fact that it's not just farmers who are having to lose water, it's cities and other industries and people throughout the state. We have a population, we have a system that was built for 20 million people, and we currently have a population of 40 million. And yet the infrastructure isn't even complete from the original designs from the 1950s. So we need to build, we need to build storage, we need to build conveyance, and we need to manage the system that we have most effectively.
1: In addition, I think you would include groundwater management in that as well. Correct? No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think
3: it's and th- those systems are in place to even enhance the groundwater that we have, but currently somebody else has a different idea, I believe. So we, we we're, we're we're ignoring what's the clear decisions that the clear results that could be possible. Well, we just
1: have to keep working hard. To make yes, make those changes happen. It's what do you what do you see, Steve, over the next? Uh, 5, 10, 20 years for California agriculture from your
3: perspective? <clears throat> technology, technology, technology. Um, that, that's the answer. We, we have a, a, a large population within the state, and we have a large population in our country, in our hemisphere, and in the world, and, and uh, continuing to feed the, the world with a, a healthy, uh, affordable food supply is is going to be our task, and uh, as we've seen throughout the last uh, twenty years, I believe the pendulum has had shifted way too far uh, towards the left in terms of uh, environmental stewardship or or a focus on that, and we're never going to lose that focus. It's all a part of what we do every day. But uh, we're going to need to make decisions both based on the economic value of what we're doing and the uh, best benefit for the for a uh, population a world's population that needs to be fed every day.
1: in the, uh, the minute or so we have left tell uh, tell our listeners if you would or share with them how they can find out more about uh, 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 your company and where we can uh, where they can buy. Uh, the best uh, honeydew and cantaloupe melons uh, uh, produced in the country?
3: Well, it's real easy. Our, our website, westsideproduce.com, is, is is available, and it's a good source of information. It's a good link to a lot of uh, great references about melons. Uh, we have videos and, and uh, 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 data about, selecting a melon for the best melon in the in the grocery store how to how to prepare it, how to cut it uh I produce is part of two phenomenal uh um mandatory california marketing agreements uh one uh marketing orders i'm sorry i misspoke marketing orders uh, one in the area of research, where, where the research on both food safety and dealing with our commodity safely, even to consumers and to farmers both, uh, and we have wonderful source of information there, and that's at that uh, um, uh, it's the again the California California Melon Research Board, CMRB.org and that links you to the California Cantaloupe Advisory Board, CCAB, in which we have a very robust uh, um, social media campaign and you can find